Now, without further ado, we have an amazing guest speaker. He is a longtime, one of my closest friends, if not my best friend. His name is Richard Brown. He is the pastor of Grace Point Church in Abilene, Texas, which is a part of our Every Nation Church spiritual family that we are a part of. I've known him for almost 21 years now. And uh, we, are, we worked together in Abilene and served uh, together at that church for eight years. He is on our board, a great man. He served in the military, retired for 23 years, correct? And has been a pastor ever since. Will you guys give me an amazing welcome to Pastor Richard Brown? There I am. Good to see everybody. How's everyone doing? Good show? This before I speak, you might feel a little different when I'm done. Anyways, good. I guess I want to start before I even do anything. Um, Ephesians 4 says that Jesus ascended and gave gifts. Some pastors, evangelists, prophets. Um, and um, amazing about those gifts he gave them to the church. And I said, you guys got the greatest gift of Pastor Chris and Casey to this church. Incredible. Incredible how God has knit our hearts together. And they're an amazing couple. And how we've been, as a church, we've all been connected. I feel like I'm home because we sent pe- people left us. I'm okay. <laughs> but now we have some new people that came in from, uh, I have Addison in, in Grace Point Church, and Addison doesn't know that, but he's never leaving. Uh, so I think it would be my replacement. So anyway, uh, but really, it's been, it's been a pleasure being here, and the hospitality is amazing. But they are amazing leaders, incredible, love Jesus, um, and their, their integrity is above board. Isn't that amazing? Just give them a hand. Come on. Uh, I only have, you know, I have one slide against Casey. I went out to the hallway and I want to go to the lady's thing. And she says, well, you're a guy. You can't go. So I asked her, is it about the hair thing or what? I just want a taco. But I don't have enough hair, so it's a gender thing. I understand. And if you're online, don't take this wrong and don't get me arrested. I got enough names on me. But anyway, it's good to see you guys this morning. And really, from Abilene, Texas, welcome. I think it's, it's nice here. The weather is pretty nice here. It's been dry in Abilene. Uh, you see a picture of me. And also, I got a picture of my family. Uh, my wife, Donna Brown, we're coming up on 36 years of marriage. Praise God. I'm still alive. She hasn't killed me. My son, who's 30, he's in, uh, he is in Tennessee. Well, right now he's in Florida. Sterling, he lives in Tennessee, about to buy a house and, and uh, hope to get married and have some grandkids. And Yay! Anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> but I'm really excited about that. And I, don't, I have enough grandkids because you have... Um, we have um, Josh Lai has just had a child. Where's, where's Josh? Had a little boy. Yeah, I knew Josh when, you know, I'm going to talk about being an ambassador, a new creation. Josh is about to be transformed <laughs> from video games to diapers. Praise God, right? So anyway, what I want to do today, I want to come together today and really put us on my heart, um, being an ambassador for Christ. Um, with all Pastor Chris said, all the division in the world. First thing, I want to pre-case this before. I didn't say it the first service. When I go through the service, I'm not telling you to ignore 
society. I'm not telling you not to vote, not to um, feel what's going on. We're just calling that God calls us to walk at a higher level. Okay? Don't think I'm just telling, well, don't do this and don't do that. It's just the fact that really what God called us to do is so special and so amazing that we're able to, and we have the opportunity to really impact our world in such an amazing way. Because see, everything, everyone think everything's going south, but really it's falling in place for us to have a great time. So I want to talk about a word ambassador. Um, we're going to talk about with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. If you ever read 2 Corinthians 5, Paul starts off talking about citizenship in heaven and where he is being away from the Lord and, and how he is home and really basically, and then he walks by faith, not by sight, and how he looks at heaven, how he lives his life. And Paul being converted from Acts chapter 9 to where he is from persecuted to prophet, and how God just transformed his life. And he said, I was trans, basically his whole message. You see three quarters of the Bible he wrote. And then just transferred, he didn't just transform me to, to uh, go to heaven. He transformed me to be a change, to make change. And we know about Paul's life. He's the only one that says, I've been beaten. I've been dead. So not that. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm still saying, how do you get left for dead? So I mean, you must have been dead. You woke up and you walk back into ministry. Who does that? Anyway, only Paul. But uh, when, you, when you read about it, He's talking about a certain thing that I think might, we haven't talked much about because of all the different cultural pressures that we're in about being ambassadors. He gets down to about verse, um, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16 to 21. And he talks about defining and unpacking what an ambassador is. And that's us. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus, you're an ambassador to wherever you are. And you have a unique gift that only that unique area can be used and it's not about doing, it's actually going to flow out of you. So when you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, now counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making God, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, for, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today, God, and we ask three, a few things, God. We ask, God, that you illuminate your word. Father, we pray that you bring revelation of your word. Father, I pray you bring definition to your people. Father, bring, seeing that we see not things as problems but opportunities, but only through your eyes. Father, let us see what you see. Hear what you hear and speak what you would say. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've got the word ambassador. We all know about ambassadors. It's actually in the Bible, in the biblical tense, sense, it actually means to act as a, a statesman or diplomat uh, who's authorized to speak as God's representative. And you see that here. That's exactly what that is. He represents the very kingdom of God, the very sovereign nation he's come through. He re we represent God. As Paul was saying, my citizenship is in heaven. I represent Christ. So I want to bring heaven to earth to minister, to, uh, to work, to walk it out. And that hasn't changed for us today. 
And you see here, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, he started in 2 Corinthians, he started to have to defend his ministry because they thought Paul was not legit because of all the suffering he went through with the gospel. A lot of people think, and even when Jesus died on the cross, you'll read about it, they said, well, basically this. He, and he says in, in um, Isaiah, Isaiah 53, they thought he sinned, that's why he was being killed. Well, they thought Paul was not legit as an apostle because of what he was suffering. And sometimes you can walk with God and think, well, I'm not really saved because I'm suffering. But we don't know how many know that suffering, and we found the last two and a half years, is a byproduct of being a believer. I mean, you can't get away from it. You can't get around it. And if you say, well, I, I think I, I'm not suffering much. When you become my age at 26, you'll know about suffering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to come on you. First, it's called gravity. And then you, and your mind is, is set free, but your body says, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> so suffering happens because it hurts to get up. It makes noise when you get up. And I'm going to, you know, it, you hear that crackling and popping. It's not Rice Krispies. It's your body waking up, and you need coffee and coffee and coffee just to understand what's going on. Now, if you're married to my wife, she is a Mac. She gets up, she pulls up, she's going. I'm a PC. Takes a while to get up. You know what I'm saying? And And she has to tell me four times, you know, hasn't built it up yet, and she tells me four or five times, but she'll get to work. I need to text you. Okay, I got it. She'll text me again because Macs are speedy. PCs are crazy. Anyway, so anyway. But it reminds me in my former, it said I was a military. One of my jobs in the military was survival, but also I was put on a team when I lived in Europe as a uh, special, uh, um, working on diplomatic missions. We would go in, wherever we're going to go, have friendships started, though, with NATO nations. We were involved in that. Though we were part of NATO, Americans never really came to certain nations, and we would go, and we'll go on these friendship missions. But they'll send us. And one of them, I think, sticks out in my mind the most uh, was the, uh, Lisbon, Portugal. And we went to Portugal. And it was back in, some of you guys can read this about on YouTube. It's back in the 80s. Um, some of you like, 80s? Yeah, we had cars then, too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> And we um, got in, we were heading first to go. We landed in Portugal, and then we took a ferry over to where we were going to work, where the base was. And we went through all these briefings, to you, well, what you can, what you cannot do. You're American, stop, don't do this, don't do that. Then we had threat briefings, and they scared us a little bit, like, this is what you expect, so we need you to act this way. So we, we were all ready, and we get off the, off the ferry, and we walk into the area where there's a little uh, market, and all of a sudden, we became here. We were walking around with these Michael Jordan jackets on when the Bulls were relevant. And, uh, and, we, and they kept saying, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. But the one thing they did happen to us, they came up and they kept doing this. And, they, and they, they kept checking our skin. They said, we've never seen black people, American black people, and they're dark skinned black people from America. And you guys are civil. Anyway, but... It was amazing. We thought one thing, and it turned out to be another thing. We thought this was going to happen. We had no idea how much we were blessed by them, and they're blessed by us. And we were playing soccer together. But we were, and we, when we left, they kept saying, "You're American. You're ambassadors. Do not mess this up." Because we have a record, of, especially when we went to France. We didn't do too well. 
we had problems. And it's called international incident. And the reason why I wasn't, it wasn't me, I'm still here. But <laughs> otherwise you get locked up somewhere. But it was amazing going. They were surprised, one, who we were and how we acted. And I think today when you walk into your workplace or walk into your campus with all the division and all the strife and all the presuppositions about how we should respond and act, you can walk into a place and say, first of all, they're going to check your pulse and see if you're still living. They're going to say, we didn't expect it. You guys are different. You're not getting caught up in arguments. You're not getting caught up in skirmishes. You're not, this is something different. Who are you? And then we have a chance to unpack it. That's what Paul's saying in his time. Ambassadors and the same political and ethnic uprising that we have today, Paul was walking through all that. Nothing, you know, nothing new under the sun. And depending on how long you've been on earth, you can see America as something. We just go around and around and around. But the one thing God calls us to do, we can break cycles through the gospel. Making sense? So Paul is unpacking some things, but he says to be an ambassador, there's certain things you've got to be able to do that you need to do, but it's actually God's going to work through you to make sure it happens. The first thing he's saying in verse 16 is you get to have a new perspective about life, a new perspective. 16 says, from now on, from now on, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. He's saying, no longer will I evaluate anyone from a worldly standard or values. What you see today, we love Jesus and we want our nation to, to, to live for Jesus. And we, I notice things, certain things. We get mad at people for acting lost, who are lost. We expect Jesus as someone who's never heard of him. Well, how could they? They, because they don't know him. And Jesus said that to you. How could, he never said how could they. He just know where you were. The worldly standards and values, we cannot judge and we can't presuppose things on people from that standard. We have to see him as Christ saw them. We have to see people today. We're going to walk into the world that is divided. We have to walk at a level that we can see the real thing in the room. Not the reaction in the room, the spirit in the room. Jesus was able to see the spirit in the room. Basically, he's saying we have to have a view of people when they don't know Jesus and realize this. There are sinners without a shepherd. Or, as he also says, they are Sheep without a shepherd, and they're helpless and harassed. And anyone who's helpless and harassed will help be will harass other people. That's when we always say, hurt people hurt people. And then no one's talking to one another. They're screaming at one another, trying to say the same thing. But we have to actually, we walk in a higher level of that. I'm learning that this last year or so. I've been more labeled... I'm Pastor Rich, now I'm Pastor Rich the liberal. I'm Pastor Rich the, now I'm a pastor who speaks, who um, preaches the wrong, go- uh, what do you call it, a different gospel. 
because it doesn't have the social context in it. So it's not, it's not the real gospel. You're Pastor Rich, the passive. You're pro-choice. You know, sick and stones, but golly. I'm just trying to be Pastor Rich, a 65-year-old, and raise my son, love my wife, and go to church. But you see what I'm saying? I've been labeled. It's fine. But everything except which my tombstone hope will read, Pastor Rich the Faithful. Because I'm dancing to actually to audience of one. Now, do I have emotions? Better believe it. But I have the truth, and I can't have emotions running my life. They're great indicators on a dashboard, but they're horrible leaders. Amen? So, it's a new perspective. And as Paul was saying in Acts chapter 9, before he was converted, he thought Jesus was just a guy who died, and there's these weird people we need to push out of our nation. He never recognized them until after he got knocked down that he was Lord. If we're not careful, we'll think Jesus is just a guy who died. I've been saved just to go to heaven, and I can't trust him on a day-to-day life. I'd rather trust the government. I'd rather trust a system. I'd rather trust a doctrine and trust all these things because Jesus is not strong enough or good enough to run my life. And there's a lot. You want to go one way. There's so many things out there, and it's a mixture of the Bible. It's not, not even a mixture of the Bible. They have a little Bible, a little social, a little Bible, a little psychology, a little Bible, and they put it all together and come up with this new thing, and we're, are we any freer? No. And then we forget, well, our job is to take two worlds and put them together, the ancient and today. There's nothing new under the sun here. Nothing. But you got to be careful with the, the, the dry. And whenever we try to keep up with culture, church, love you. I've said this the other day to someone. We always fall behind. Because it's not, if it isn't the election this year, surely we'll find something that's going to divide us. We'll find something. We'll dig it up. You know, oh, okay, now we're dealing with that. But at, you at my age, I have to learn patience. Because I'm like, that's happening now. Some of you weren't even alive or what you thought about. This happened in 1968. Oh, yeah. It's happening in 75. You're like, Pastor Rich, you are so young. <laughs> and I, and I, the thing that to see me is just relate, is uh, familiar. Same devil, different names. And when he attacks the church, because everything I called, you, I'm all the names, I weren't called from outside the church. I was called from inside the church. I have my fun outside the church when I go to vote because they don't know if I'm Republican or Democrat. And I live in a Republican zone. So me and Pastor Donna, we have fun. You go here and we'll make them can up and they go like this. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, this is so cool, man. You know, because they, they try not to be, you know, we, you know, you don't know what it is, do you? We'll hang in the hallway. Are they going this way or are they going that way? I'm going anywhere I feel like it. <laughs> Give me another sticker, you know. <laughs> but, but Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And what he said, 
The other thing is, new perspective, Paul realized he got he received a new mercy. <laughs> new mercy. Saul to Paul. Now, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Talking about the Holy Spirit coming up. Reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. You know that Paul was a trophy of grace. From persecutor to prophet, Jesus still stopped him and saved him. By the Holy Spirit. Restructured his life. He couldn't stand Christians. Now he's thinking different about Christians. He has feelings about Christians. Now he knows how to feel to be a Christian. <laughs> he, had, he had to start, he started acting like, he was acting with the law. Now he's acting like a believer. But he was transformed, not by him, himself, by Jesus himself. And guess what? We all come from that, if you recognize that. What it is, is basically, when God transformed your life, he didn't replace, he replaced basically, but when he transformed your life, he changed the definition of your life. Now, the old has passed away. Now, the pastor rich that's standing here, the old one, I couldn't even stand people. I think I had my nerves because they couldn't help me do anything. The new pastor rich, I'm preaching now. Are you serious? I got to do this? Transform. The new me. Old me is dead. Now, some of us are struggling about the old. But Romans 8.28 brings it into fruition. All things, all things are good. All things in God's hand called according to his purpose. That which is negative will become positive. He takes my past and redefines it so I can be effective in my present. All things work together for the good. And then it goes 29. So we'll be conformed into the image of Christ. Not dance around on the old testimony about, I'm still struggling, brother. No, you're being, if you're not being, that second part is great to have, you can dance with the all things, but you don't dance into, into being transformed into the image and really conformed. Anyone got... Anyone here love pottery? If it don't work out, you throw it on the table, bam, and you're working it out. Anybody been worked out with God? <laughs> like the military career change, right? They say Christians are crazy. And then I know you said, I have a mission. And now you're like, these people are nuts. So God says, I'm teaching you patience. Anyway, <laughs> that's between me. Anyway, but <laughs> I know how that is. I know exactly how it is. But it's conforming to the image of Christ. Now, it's hard in the past, and the devil will play on your past, but God has put you in a new. It's dead. It's buried. It's, it's, there's actually plants growing on it. Don't go back and dig it up. That's called agreement. When you agree with the devil, you go dig it back up. When you agree with God, you already know it's dead. new mercy, new definitions come. And I love this what John Newton says. Christianity is not a system of doctrine, but a new creature. I want to present, they want to see me. They're going to see a new creature, not a doctrine. I didn't yell back and say, my, my, my gospel is good. I didn't yell back. I'm not yelling back. I'm walking it through. 
You can, you can throw the sticks, you can throw the bones, but at least I have friends who know who I really am. I have a Jesus who I serve that called me to do something else. He didn't call me to do it easy, but it's okay. You'll, you'll catch up one day, but we got something to do. We got to change the world because we are ambassadors. And it might not make you happy, but it all makes Jesus happy. And there's people who are not in the chairs who need to be in the chairs, and maybe you really shouldn't be in it because you might not be really saved. But I don't say that. Even though I feel that, but then God showed me that I'm going the right way. So, when a new, you know, a new perspective, a new mercy, Paul recognized I have a new mission. Verse 18, all this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ in God was recon- reconciled the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against him, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Now, I don't want you to default to color. I don't want you to default to that. I want you to default to people. The ministry of reconciliation. Think about you've been reconciled by God. God did the work. You're reconciled, and only a reconciled person can work as a ministry and a minister of reconciliation. Because a transformed heart will transform a city, will transform your neighborhood, will transform a family. Everything you can throw laws at people, and laws don't change people. It just chains them down. Remember, the, the group that he had, they, they had over 460. I hope I get it right. I'm now law seminary. So 460 laws. They couldn't keep one. Love God. But a transformed heart can speak to, and, and transform a situation. That's why you love. We don't like, you know, when you read, when you read um, Sermon on the Mount, isn't it kind of opposite on how we think. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. And we come up with chapter 16 that we added, but you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I hung on the cross. This is called you a bad name. So, when you see that, all we're doing is, you see that he doesn't count their trespasses against them. And God, here's where you need to walk in forgiveness. You need to, or you'll never be free. Forgiveness is not for the person who offended you or hurt you. Forgiveness is for you. And he knows walking through, you have to, as a minister, you'll never better minister if you don't know. Forgiveness is on the checklist every single day. And it's on God's single day, because I never give God anything good to, to love me for. I mean, every, even when I miss this, and he doesn't say, check, check. You know, you have friends, you know, you have family members who remember what you did when you were 12, and they keep bringing it up, and it's an emotional moment, especially after Thanksgiving. That's when you got to leave. I'm like, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> this Friendsgiving is getting, I'm giving away myself, you know. But it's what it is, and then when you say the ministry of reconciliation is this. You change a, rela- a hostile relationship to a peaceful one. Our job when we went to nations, it was, we have to do war. Our job before precursor for the bill that what we thought was a hostile environment became a very peaceful environment because we were able to sit at the table and talk about it. And then the perception of what they thought and what I thought was completely off because we all read the bad material until we met one another face to face. 
And what we're saying, we want you to have peace with God, not have hostility with God. You can have all these other things that won't be around much longer at all, but the one thing you need to get right, the one you're going to spend the rest of your time with, uh, who you need to spend the rest of your time is, is Jesus himself. Otherwise, it'll be hell. And he's not there. Make sense? The real important things. Not the surface things. We spent the last two and a half years cutting down branches and not getting to the root. Right? I mean, we had trees. We had to freeze. I pulled seven trees. And I had to get in. That's not good enough. You got to get the stump out. The stump is sin. And that's the hardest one to get out. You cut all the different branches out, but you got to get that tap root that's caught up in there. Once you get the tap root, you can pull. Otherwise, you can pull a whole transmission out of a car. Here in New York, I'm talking like I'm a city country guy. But that tap root of sin, tap root of racism, tap racism, if that's not cut and retransplanted and re, forget it. That's what discipleship does. So you got saved, but a lot of things haven't been saved out of you yet. <laughs> right? I'm good. No, you're not. You hate your people. Why do you hate them? You can tell you how much you love God by when he sends you the one that really gets on your nerves. Because you need them, and they need you. And that's a song. I think we wrote a song on that, didn't we? So. In this reconciliation, I wrote down this. I got to move. It's dictated by Christ, not by current events. When you try to keep up with culture, we'll always fall behind. And, and culture is where it will wear you out versus the steady push of what Jesus called me to do, bring transformation. And I do it in my own personality, in my own quirks, but the power of God working through me will bring change around me. I can't go this way. I can't, you know, the, the, the culture we have with the, the pastors with the skinny jeans, that would look bad for me. And, uh, you looking at me like, this dude, this man, Pastor Rich, look, man, you, in the day you might have been built, but now you look, man, you look, take those off. <laughs> you know, and the, and the shirt that I don't fit, I'm like, come on, man, that's not me. I'm, I had muscles. I look like G at one time. But gravity hit, and that just fell off. I said, I, I, stay, I stay tuned. I stay tuned up, not built up. And you young guys, whatever you put up, you got to keep up. So don't put too much up. Because gravity will take it down. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Sorry, online. Y'all. Where am I at? With the new mission, I mean, with a new perspective, mercy, mission, when it comes down to our new responsibility. Look at verse 20 and 21. It's fascinating. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Look what he calls us. Like, I love your ministry, salt and light. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. You're more than a saint that was saved. You're an ambassador. And when my ambassador, Pastor Rich, wherever you, wherever you go to work every day, your desk ought to say, ambassador lives here. You can't say my job is a God-forsaken place. No, you're there. Ambassadors come to the worst parts to, to bring peace and bring everyone to the table. 
Since we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So in him we might become the righteousness of God. You're a representative with a message. What's my message? Your story. We spent this weekend talking about stories and just the time go by. This church has an amazing story. I'm telling you, if, you, if you're a guest, you need to come, you know, and, and hang out and hear the stories. And when we walked out here and you got the apartment buildings here, I remember when we got the building and say, is anybody going to come here? Not, not people, population. Now they blocked the sign. We were just kidding, God. You could have put the place a little farther back. And then we got a building, and now we're going to say, them two buildings, they got to go. We need more parking. Well, why not? This is God's house. But the story is amazing. But it also says this. The word appeal. Make an appeal through us. God's working through me to appeal. I only have one message. I love what Paul said. I'm only going to teach, preach God, Jesus crucified. Guys, I can't deal with all this other stuff. I can't. I tell only, and I'm, I'm going to involve myself in that stuff. But that's not the primary stuff. I appeal to you, do the most important thing, be reconciled back to God. Not a program, not this, not that. God himself. Make him the center of everything. And it means, employ means, I'm be- he says, I'm begging you. That word employ means begging. When's the last time you begged somebody? You really need Jesus. With the election coming up, people are begging me on text. You need to vote. You need to vote. And instead, I just got a a revelation. Instead of me canceling them and subscribing, because they keep finding my number anyway, I'm going to say, you really need Jesus. You really need Jesus. And see if they take me off their own list. What are you saying? I want you to have peace with God. Why? Because we have a God who was sinless, became sin for us, so we become life. He's our substitute. Folks, you need a substitute. Your life is falling apart. Your kids, your marriages, you need a substitute. He, He died for you. He died for this. He works great in tragedy. He works great in problems. He works great in stress. He works great in anxiety. He works great in all things. He brings peace with his chaos. He brings calm with his chaos. I'm, I'm, he's, you got to know him. Not a program that they wrote somewhere. Him. He is the program. As Pastor Chris says, only two things you do. One thing, really, you love God. Automatically, you love people. If you, don't, you can't make the two up because you can't love people without God. Right? You can't say it's just me and Jesus. That means you need to get saved. Sorry. But um, it's appealing, begging, beyond my own issues, beyond my own thing. And you say, Pastor Rich, how do we do this? There's a way that Jesus set this up. Paul says it in verses 14 and 15. He says, you got to let love control your life. What is he saying? 
verse 14, 15, for the love of Christ controls. Some of you words might say compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Jesus died for everyone you can't stand. So all died. And he died for all that those who might live no longer for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. That word compel, that word control means this, constrained. You're held. You're seized. Because the love of God seizes you. Jesus had it too. It's called compassion. He seized them. I just lost my, I just lost my, my, um, my cousin got his head cut off. I walk out. I want to be by myself. And there's a valley full of people who, without sheep, without a shepherd, we need to eat. We need to be fed. We need healing. We need, we need, we need. He could have said, I don't have time. I just lost my cousin. What does he do? Because he's controlled by the love of God. We need to be controlled by the love of God. That means you can't quit. That means it's impossible to quit. Even though I wanted to quit a few times, I couldn't. It's impossible. Something inside you said, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's a feeling. It's Monday. Get over it. Go back to work Tuesday. What was that? Love of God. What we got to realize is not about my feelings. It's a reason. We know the reason I realize my feelings. Feelings are secondary. The reason is someone needs to hear Jesus. Someone needs to hear it's going to be okay. Someone needs to hear there's a hope that you haven't seen yet. Someone needs to hear you don't have to walk depressed. You don't need to be oppressed. You don't need to be anything but free in Jesus' name. Someone needs to hear that. Even though I don't feel like it, maybe I had too many surgeries, I still, the need is greater than my feelings. I can't quit this thing. I told them when I retire, I'll be here hanging out with you guys, handing out bulletins. That's fine. They don't talk back. But it's great. Do you have that? I think David said, is this not a cause? Is it about me all the time? No, I, and I was a selfish pig prior to. Now it's about them. It's about my neighbor, my coworker, about this campus. And I don't feel like it half the time. Again, I make age in my age. It hurts. It takes a while to get this body going. Y'all better keep me up to feed me tonight. Y'all fed me a lot. Just my. Let me end with this. The death of Jesus is more than a fact to be believed. It demands a lifestyle to be lived. We have to live beyond ourselves. We got to live beyond our pain, our disappointments, our traumas, which are horrible. But I know where I'm going. They don't have a clue where they're going. So that the reason so far outrides my feelings. And if you ever notice the gospel Jesus never calls you to be. Isn't it? He called every time God calls somebody, we're busy. But it's not how much you're busy, how much money you have, how much gifting you have. The biggest thing you got to write down: Do I love enough? Do I love enough? 
because he loved me enough to die and to raise. And then he didn't get done with me. He's living through me. He's around me as you talk about the Holy Spirit. Full counsel of God is in me because I got something to do. It's a reason. And you're the reason. That's why pastors don't quit who have that reason. The ones who lose sight of the reason, they quit. People quit because they lose the reality of what we're really called to do. Let's all stand. Let's pray. I think I went over. Ask yourself this. Do I have the love? Is my feelings outriding my love? Some of you might be mad at God because he did not do the things you call him to, he wants you to do in the way he want, you want him to do it. But usually I learned this. God has taught us, <laughs> shows me what I need, not what I want. And I learned to delight in the Lord in anything. And then those eyes of my heart show up. I'm so having fun with him. Oh, yeah, I forgot I asked for that. But do you love enough beyond the pain, beyond culture, beyond your perceived limitation? Because he didn't think he would, if he thought you were limited, he would never call you. Because he's unlimited. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. Pray for one's heart so they might have been through some pain. Might not be feeling it. Father, re-engage our, our reason. Reason is, there's people in our workplace, in our campus, in our community that really need you. I go beyond what I feel and I engage the reason. Thank you for the new mercy. Thank you for the new mission. Thank you for this new responsibility. <laughs> Let us steward well. In Jesus' name, amen.